Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, welcome back. Chris Gordy Show, Sports 1280 New Orleans. Tons to discuss on the LSU front as LSU wraps up. Well, just about wrapping up their early signing period with um, 19 signees yesterday. So six spots remain for LSU to build up uh, build up an even stronger recruiting class. But yes, later uh, yesterday in the afternoon, the big story switched from LSU and their signing day to the health of one Clyde Edwards Elairs. There were reports he was walking around campus on crutches and everybody was freaking the hell out and wondering what is going to be his status for next week's Peach Bowl against Oklahoma. Join us now to talk all things LSU is our buddy Brody Miller from the Athletic New Orleans. Brody, what's going on, man? Not too much, man. Just uh, trying to recover from signing day. How are you doing? <laughs> Good man. Well, I'm sure you're glad that you didn't have to do uh, the old the old school thing of writing a profile on every single player <laughs> yesterday. I'm sure I'm sure that was uh, a little bit more relaxing working for the athletic this year. Yeah, you know, I'll be really honest. I still would have liked to, but uh, the playoff and the Heisman and all that stuff kind of put me behind. So I'm actually kind of mad at myself. I don't have any this year, but but it is very nice not having to write a post for every single commit <laughs> and every single guy and be on like be on full, you know, blurb watch. No, that that part's nice. <laughs> let's uh let's talk about the news that came out yesterday. When, when did you start hearing these rumblings about Clyde Edwards Eler cuz I got buddies who are on the message boards and they're all texting me, "Hey, you hear Clyde's on crutches?" I'm like, "Wait a minute. Like let let me wait till I see somebody with a blue check mark uh say something about <laughs> Clyde." But uh when did you start hearing things yesterday and uh what did you think of what coach O said about it about the injury last night? Yeah, I definitely started hearing about it, you know, pr- you know, relatively early uh, Wednesday morning. But, you know, the, the problem was, and most of us kind of held off to report it because, like you said, it was a lot of rumors. It was a lot of secondhand things. and it was. But, you know, we were able to nail down, and, and Ross Elger first reported, it, of course, that, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire did injure his hamstring at practice. What I, from what I gather, he was, it was a non-contact injury. He was basically just trying to juke. And nobody touched him, and he just kind of collapsed to the ground. And it, it was a scary sight to look like, but it was just his hamstring overall. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, when it comes to severity, that is the, the big question because with hamstrings, as you know, that's kind of a tricky one. You know, you can be fine from a hamstring in a few days, or, you can, or a hamstring can linger for weeks, or, or maybe it's a severe hamstring injury where you're out for a long time. So it is one of the kind of harder-to-diagnose things, and that's why Ed Ogeron's comments, you know, last night were pretty much that same variety of, you know, they'll know more by the end of the week, but reality is just hard to really nail down and, and understand. I mean, I, I've heard some people say they think he's done for a while. I've heard some people say he's only out for a few days, which I think goes back to the point of nobody really knows right now, but it is at least safe to say, I mean, his status for the Peach Bowl is very much up in the air, and, and Ed Ogeron kind of spoke like somebody who understands that he he probably has to at least start planning for contingency plans with John Emery and Tyreon Davis-Price and Chris Curry. 
Yeah, and, and and he said so much yesterday when he talked about those guys. The, the interesting part, though, here is the, the timetable. I mean, the, the game isn't until a week from Saturday, so you still have more than a full week for that to rest up, you know, ice it down, whatever you need to do. But then the interesting part is, too, if they win that game, you know, the national championship is about three and a half weeks away. So, you know, if, if this is a thing that maybe it was a little bit more severe, but you know, based on when he injured it, you're talking about almost a month's time to, to heal. You know, maybe it is a, a chance he doesn't play in the Peach Bowl but has a chance to play in the national championship. Again, like you said, it's tricky when it comes to the hamstrings. But uh, what did you make of Coach O uh, talking about the depth? I mean, he kind of said, yeah, if, if Clyde can't go, we think all three of those guys are going to play. He did mention Curry had kind of moved up, and Tyrion Davis-Price is probably in the driver's seat to be the guy to start. But I got to think he's honest when he's saying all three guys would likely play. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because there's no there's no one guy there that can. I mean, there's, to be clear, there's very few guys in the country that can do all the things that Clyde Edwards-Helaire does. He's you know obviously a great just traditional running back. He's 50 catches this season. Not many running backs can do that. He's also their best pass protector, which I don't think can be understated as well. Some of those freshmen kind of had a long way to go earlier in the year at pass protection. It's hard to play a guy if you can't trust him there. But, yeah, I mean, Tyron Davis-Price definitely would be, has been the guy who's gotten the most time this year. He's the one they trust most. I mean, he's somebody who is a really good kind of old-school SEC-style runner. But he's also caught some screens and had some success. But it's a little. I think a lot of it's just the little things that they like that they don't know how to do yet that come with time. You know, like things like learning how to sell a screen and getting off of it, and like things like pass protection. It's it's those subtleties I think that they just have to learn that will take time. So Tyron Davis Price, I would assume, gets the most, and and you, like a, we can pro- they could probably afford against Oklahoma, maybe, yeah, going a little more traditional with the run game and, and maybe not getting as creative as they do with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, John Emery, we all know, is probably the most talented of these three and is a superstar guy, but, you know, for a lot of different reasons that are, you know, there's several of them that he hasn't really been a main guy, it's hard to really kind of expect him to come in and take a major role. I think we'll see the field, but, you know, I've heard some, some slight kind of medical things that have kind of, not, not major ones, but ones that have kind of limited him from what he can do. I think he he's, he has to learn some things. He, he's a little far behind. Chris Curry, you know, he was at the bottom of the depth chart pretty much all year. He was behind Leonard Fournette, who, by the way, I bet they wish they had right now. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I don't know if there's, like Edward Ed John said this, there's nobody that can replicate everything he does, but at least Davis Price and Emery have had a decent amount of game time and aren't going to be a liability. But if they don't have Edwards Lair for the championship, that is a, a much, much more severe loss. How big is the loss for Oklahoma? They announced three of their players are going to be suspended for this game. Uh, one of them really stands out in their defensive end, Ronnie Perkins, who, you know, if you look at the stats, has been a, a big time force for them. 13 and a half tackles for a loss, six sacks, and six quarterback hurries in 13 starts. Uh, seems like that's going to hurt them a bit. Absolutely, because, you know, I mean, obviously it's all relative. I mean, Oklahoma's defense is obviously, you know, not great in the grand scheme of things compared to these other playoff contenders. But, I mean, this Oklahoma defense has made massive strides this season under under defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. And, and I mean, this is this is not your average Oklahoma defense where it's just, you know, a laughing stock. There have been games where they have looked genuinely good. I think the Texas game comes to mind. There are several others where you know, they've looked really impressive. So it's, it's, it's obviously LSU should have the heavy advantage there, but – for Oklahoma to lose one of its best players on the edge when you finally kind of have a defense that might be able to level the playing field a bit, that's a huge loss because, I mean, 
LSU, it's it's not crazy to think LSU is already going to go out there and put up 50 points next next week. I mean, it really isn't. So if you're already losing guys, I mean, it's it's really it really puts Oklahoma in an even deeper spot than they planned on. Because let's put it this way: it's easier for LSU to replace a Clyde Edwards-Helaire with this loaded deep offense than it is for Oklahoma to replace a a very good defender like Perkins. Talking with Brody Miller of the Athletic uh, New Orleans, he's got a piece up right now uh, discussing the uh, the up and downs of LSU's early signing period. Let's talk about it, uh, Brody. Uh, you know, for the most part, look, this is going to be a really good signing class. Uh, we'll see where it shakes out once uh, you know the final actual signing day takes place in February. But I, I think most people, you got to feel pretty good about where LSU right, is right now. They get 19 signatures yesterday. Yes, it was disappointing to lose two of the big-time receivers in this class, but you still bring in two really good ones in Booty and, and Coy Moore. And on top of that, LSU's not really hurting for wide receiver depth right now because they're going to bring back the Bolitnikoff winner, Terrace Marshall, and then, oh, by the way, those two big-time guys they signed last year in, in Trey Palmer and, and Devontae Lee. So if you're going to lose some guys at a position, maybe that's the one that doesn't hurt as bad. Yeah, I think it stings because it one just the way it kind of got it snuck up on him at the last second. I think that's just kind of a bad look in some ways. And also, yeah, it's just it would have been a perfect representation of the momentum of what this offense is doing. That the LSU offense finally puts the product it does on the field, and then you bring in this just absolutely loaded receiver class, and and it really would have you know been a perfect you know sign of what's changing at LSU. But like you said, in a practical sense. He'll be fine at receiver. Yeah, you say Keishon Butte is a really good receiver, top top fifty guy, number forty overall in the country. Coin Moore is a guy who will probably be a very productive player over the course of his career, maybe not as immediately as some others. But and yeah, and let's not also forget Eric Gilbert, the number nine overall player in the country. He's basically a six foot five, two hundred fifty pound receiver. I mean, he's a freak. He's a generational type guy. I mean, he's the first tight end to ever win the Gatorade National Player of the Year award. He lists them as an athlete because, I mean, he is not just a tight end. So, yeah, it's really three-star receivers. So, I mean, yeah, they're going to live there. And like you said, they're bringing so much back. I think the one that kind of stings more is, is losing out on Jordan Birch, which, to be clear, they weren't, like, expected to get that one. That's a really tough battle. One of the top players in the country, number five overall. You're going into South Carolina. That's brutal. But it just stings that I think LSU really did kind of feel like it might have had a lead there. They, they were starting to feel confident in the days leading up to it. And it just kind of represents, you know, two, three years in a row where LSU can't quite land its top defensive line target at once. But then again, like we're saying with the receivers, they do still have five defensive linemen signed already. They're probably going to bring in another one. I mean, they're going to chase after another one. And McKinley Jackson from Mississippi is the one to expect. He's another top 150 guy. And there's some other D linemen they like, like Jonathan Burton, for example. But So, yeah, like the the things they lost at, they are going to be okay at. But I think the frustration really comes from this was the most momentum LSU has and maybe will ever have. So for them not to cash in on it right now, just stick. Uh, Brody, it's interesting with, with six spots left, and we'll see what happens with Cameron Jackson. Maybe it is only five spots. But I got to think they're going to leave the door open for a potential transfer because, look, we've seen how good the transfers have been. You know, rewind two years ago, they bring in Cole Tracy and, and Joe Burrow, and ter- those turned out to be two of their biggest transfers uh, in recent LSU football history. But, uh, look, no, all, with all due respect to Miles Brennan, I feel like this coaching staff kind of owes it to the rest of their team to leave that door open. And if there is a transfer quarterback out there who can come in and compete for the starting job, I, I would think they would be open to it. When I'm looking at the transfer portal and seeing guys out there like, 
you know, Justin Rogers from TCU and KJ Costello from Stanford just announced he's available. Uh, Jet Duffy from Texas Tech. There's a lot of proven quarterbacks out there who are just looking for uh, another opportunity. I got to think this coaching staff has to at least be open to that opportunity. Absolutely. It's kind of funny. I think a month ago, I actually kind of felt confident they weren't going to leave any spots open, just considering how how loaded this class almost was, and it's still not wanting to detract from it. It's a top five class. It's a really good class, but it looked like it was going to be like they were going to be fighting to even get it down to twenty five. Now, like you said, they have more room. Now, I almost am at the point where I kind of my guess would be they leave two spots open, if not three. You know, I think they're they're probably going to try to find the absolute best guys in these six spots, and maybe they're going to bring in a running back for sure. They're going to bring in you know another defensive lineman, and we'll see what happens. Maybe another DB, but I. I kind of do think they leave at least two spots open, and that gives you some options. And I don't think there's there's one desperate spot they have to go get. But quarterback's obviously going to be an intriguing one to follow because, you know, as much as Ed Ogeron has said nonstop for the past nine months that Miles Brennan is a championship quarterback and he's going to be the guy next year, and he's flat out even said he's like, you know, he's going to do great things next year. It's still, you just never know. When, when you have a team that has the talent LSU has, you can never just, like, rush that off. You have to at least look at what's the best chance to make the most of it. So, yeah, you name some great candidates, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more coming as well. You, you, know, you never know what's going to happen with De'Ara King. So, yeah, I think that they will at least look at that. And then maybe there's some other spots. You know, maybe, maybe you look for a... You know, maybe if you don't fall in love with any of the running backs that you have a chance to bring in, your running back depth's going to be kind of thin next year, if we're being honest, because you're going to lose Clyde Edwards Hilaire most likely. Uh, who knows if Chris Courier will even be here next year. So, I mean, you're going to need another guy. Maybe you look at a transfer running back. Maybe you look at a. I don't know. This is me just making this up. I've never heard this from anyone, but maybe you look at a, a transfer offensive lineman because you are losing a good amount there, and Lloyd Cushenberry might go pro. So, uh, they have options, and my guess is, like you said, I think they leave one or two to three spots open. The the name that just intrigues me that I keep looking at is, is the Jet Duffy kid from Texas Tech because I watched him play a good bit this year and he's an accurate quarterback. I mean he's thrown for almost threw for almost three thousand yards this year, eighteen touchdowns to five interceptions. He's got running ability, rushed for over three hundred yards last year, rushed for two hundred yards this year. He's a little undersized. They list him as six foot one. When you watch him on film, he looks like he's five eleven. I mean he looks really small, but I got to think that's a trait that. This coach's staff loves his accuracy. I mean, we saw it with Joe Burrow this year, and I would think that might be something. You know, when you start looking at the Derek Kings and other guys out there, maybe not as accurate. I look at Duffy and see, okay, he's accurate with his arm. Maybe that's the quality that they might be looking at it, um, as far as the transfer quarterback goes. No, first off, first question, why are you watching so much Texas Tech football, Chris? I have a question. <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet money on games. And it's, okay, it's, good answer, good answer. Habit, I'm with so. you, so I'm not judging. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Wells is a good coach to bet on. But, uh, yeah, I, I do get your, I completely agree with your grand point that is accuracy, I think, is the more important thing. And I think the way this offense is going, mobility is great. But, Joe, they don't run too many plays like to let Joe Burrow run. They Joe Burrow is doing what he's doing because he's, Two things that I think are really crucial to Joe Brady offense. Accuracy, like you said, and decision-making. That is the most important thing. That's what makes Joe Burrow what he is, is that his, he can read a defense in, in milliseconds and know where to go with it. And that's so hard to find. And I also think that's going to be the big change you see in, in the way LSU recruits quarterbacks for the next decade, is that you know they, ha- they have a history of going for all these tools guys and all and these, these projects. And I don't think that's the way to go in football anymore, just the way that offenses work now. You need... You need guys that know the footwork things, that know the, the little, you know, they're, they're polished by the time they get there, and they are, just, they, they are used to playing in that kind of offense. And 
So I, I really, I kind of like where your head's at. That I don't know if Jared King would be a great fit here because when you look at the receiving talent this LSU team's going to have next year, you need guys who just know how to get the, the ball in their hands. So there's an argument to be made that Miles Brennan's a solid fit for that. He is a fantastic arm. The question with him is, can he make the decision-making abilities? Is he as quick of a thinker? He's not as quick as Joe Burrow. Not many are. That's not a fair standard. But I think if, if they look elsewhere, that's a sign that they're not too sure about Miles Brennan's like, you know, ability to make decisions, which maybe the people you named are better fits at. Yeah, and I'm not trying to crap on the guy, but it's just, you know, has there been any Absolutely. moment has there been any moment where we've seen Miles Brennan and went, Wow, can't wait to see that kid next year? I mean, it, we just haven't seen that yet. And if the coaching staff and the other part of it too is you want somebody to push him. I mean, what if he goes out in the spring game and doesn't look good? I doubt they're gonna turn to TJ Finley or or Max Johnson or even Peter Parrish. Uh, this early in those guys' careers, so it, it's almost like it's better to bring in somebody to compete with him and, and kind of push him and make him better. Yeah, there's no argument for me there. I think obviously I, I completely agree with that. How the importance of having somebody pushing him and whatnot, and, and my only devil's advocate thing is just that I'm not sure we can. First off, I think he doesn't look great. But he doesn't look bad in the game times he's played either way. He's look he's looked fine, but I think uh, what I'd say is I don't know if I'm going to look at that too closely because like it's not like LSU has spent the week scheming for that fourth quarter where Miles Brennan's just kind of running generic stuff with the backups. You know, it is yeah. just kind of a different animal, but still you can take something from it. And uh yeah, it's it's just tricky because they they have so much talent next year that that whoever plays quarterback, even if he's just average, even if he's just kind of like Danny Etlick, I think with a better offense, I think this team could be really good. They can win ten games because that offense around him is so talented. But you can look at it either way, right? You can say, all right, maybe you should look at because there's so much talent, you don't need too much from them. You can look elsewhere and say, let's stock other things up. Or maybe you say, okay, this is too important. We can't waste this position. You need to go get that. And I do like the idea of, yeah, maybe it doesn't have to be a superstar, but like you said, somebody who can who can push him. I definitely like where your head's at there, and you're, you're convincing me as we speak. <laughs> all right, last thing for you, Brody. Who, uh, of all the guys LSU signed yesterday, who, who would you most be excited about seeing uh, next year in an LSU uniform? Yeah, it's the guy I already talked about. There's no doubt about it. It's Eric Gilbert. I mean, he's they got a lot of studs in this class, but Eric Gilbert's the the generational type guy. He's the he's your Stingley of this class, for lack of a better term. I mean, he is. It's watch his highlights. I mean, how many tight ends do you see teams run like you know wide receiver screens for and just say like, hey, go make some plays against the defense. Just go one on one and beat everybody. It's it's pretty crazy to watch. He does not look like a tight end, but he also looks way too big to be a receiver. He's a uh, he's a freak, and he's a really smart guy. I got to talk to him after after he got the Gatorade National Player of the Year award. And I didn't write anything on it, but you know, I was talking about all the things that kind of sold him on LSU and kind of his football career, and, and you know, I was took, taken aback by the fact that he said talking about Joe Brady, and he was like, I was most blown away by the way he broke down a defense and how to attack it, and like what blew him away was the X's and O's, which kind of tells you a little something about a kid, in my personal opinion. And so I really think Eric Gilbert could be a a really big stud. He's the one that jumps out. But then the other one I'm really interested to see is uh, Philip Webb. Philip Webb, uh, I think, has a chance to be a really great edge rusher. I don't know if he's going to be a key contributor day one. We'll see what happens with Marcel Brooks, if he can gain weight and all that. But Philip Webb could come in day one and be you know, maybe a top outside linebacker. Is there maybe a little pressure that uh, Thad Moss does go pro? I mean, you'd like to open that door for Eric Gilbert to be the number one tight end. But, I, I mean, I feel like Moss is probably going to go pro anyway. Look, he'll get drafted third, fourth round on his name alone, but uh, are you feeling like Thad Moss is gone next year? Uh, 
personally am not. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Like you said, the name, like you said, I mean, he's had a really tough road, so maybe he really does just want to you know, get out there and do it. But I just kind of, I mean, LSU's done a good job in the, in the last year and a half of kind of talking with kids and, and you know, saying, all right, if you're a first or second round guy, go. We understand. We get it. But if not, you know, you can be at more on this and all that. And as good as Eric Gilbert is, I mean, I don't know if he's going to day one be better than Thad Moss. And also, I'm, I'd be really fascinated to see what Joe Brady can do with some, some 12 personnel and getting two tight end sets, with a, considering they're two tight end sets, but they're both receivers, really. So right. you could get really creative as a coaching staff there with what you do there. So I don't know what's a given. I mean, Thaddeus Moss is still, I would assume, better than Eric Gilbert at this very second. And I, don't, and I haven't seen Moss as high. Like you said, you said third or fourth round. I don't know if he'd leave for that. Now, granted, things might change in the next few weeks. Maybe as teams look closer at him, he will be higher on boards. But I don't know. He's not high enough where I think it would warrant leaving, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, you could have a, a Gronk, Aaron Hernandez type thing, uh, minus the whole murder charge. So, uh, Brody <laughs> Miller, that, yeah. Brody Miller from the Athletic, uh, Brody, great stuff, man. Uh, always appreciate catching up with you, and uh, uh, great uh, article as well up at the theathletic dot com. Appreciate you uh, coming on, man. Oh, anytime, man. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Happy holidays. You too, man. Brody Miller there of the Athletic in New Orleans. He's got a piece up right now inside LSU's. Mostly up, but sometimes down. Start to the early signing period. We'll grab a break. Chris Gore's show rolls on after this. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.